Okay, welcome to another episode of Education of the Heart. I'm here with Kennedy, and Kennedy has just completed her favorite college class of all time, assistive technology. Do you remember? At the, hi, Kennedy. Say hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, do you remember at the beginning of the semester we made you go through that nine-page AT competency, and you had to pick five of your things that you were going to study this semester? So, how did that go? Yes, that was great. So, the five that I actually picked are communication, writing, seating and positioning, recreation and leisure, and math. And so picking those at the beginning of the semester definitely directed my own learning throughout the semesters. I was able to just focus on those five. Oh, yes, I'm so excited. So normally college classes, you just get a bunch of knowledge jammed in your head, but it's only when you move it from your head to where it matters because the qualities that make us human are what give meaning to our lives. And that is the education of the heart. It's, it's kind of filling the spirit and being guided. That's what the education of the heart. So tell us about your search of moving this learning from your head to your heart. Well, I picked one of my big five that I wanted to focus on um, and teach. Well, focus on more so than even just my five. And I taught writing composition to my class and the thing with writing is that there's two parts of it so with AT for writing you can have the motor aspect which is the actual physical writing of whatever it is um, so that would be you know your fine motor and the assistive technology that goes with that is going to be more helping your hands as you're writing but I focus on writing composition which is actually AT for the process of writing and just getting all of that, you know, the pre-writing, drafting, all of that done. And so that, you know, whoever the student is, is able to get that done so that the motor aspect is worth it. So did you know there were so many things available to help that writing process of generating ideas? What am I gonna write about? Organizing it, pre-writing. Did you, did you know there were so many things available? No, I had no idea. There's a ton of programs actually, um, online programs or even, there's not as many physical um, assistive technology for this type of uh, situation, but yeah, there's tons of programs that students can use to you know, help them through the writing composition process. Uh, one of my favorite ones that I found was Story Jumper. And Story Jumper is this website where basically you can create your own book and it has all the the materials that you would need such as pictures text boxes you know anything like that that you wanted to put into your book and it's so easy to just drag it over and organize everything that way and so that was something that I really loved focusing on in my lesson and actually one of the students that I taught in my lesson made, one of the college students one of the college yeah. students loved that idea and she took it and created a book about this class for you. <laughs> I love it. Maybe we ought to publish. Maybe. Yes. <laughs> so what, what, I, what I love to hear is that you said, oh, I found this app and a lot of times in assistive technology, that's where we start. Oh, here's the technology. Let's make it work for every student. But we didn't do that. We focused on the student, the environment, and what tasks they need, what are their strengths, and then we found things to support that. That is the difference with assistive technology. So, um, as you're discovering 
how to help a student learn the writing process and you learned some of those things. What, what were some of the fruits when you moved your learning from your head to your heart this semester? Well, like you said, it's not about fitting the student into the technology, but more so the technology into the student and finding what's best for them. It can be so easy to <clears throat> find technology and just say, okay, well, this student has this disability and we know that this technology helps with that, so we'll just give it to them. But what we need to be doing is looking at the student and like you said, you know, their characteristics, their qualities, what they can do, what they can't do, and then moving forward and finding the technology that works best for them. And I think that a great way to start with that is having such a wide variety of resources because the more resources we have, the more opportunities we're able to open for all those various, you know, unique situations. Yeah, it's, it's kind of when you lesson plan, you put a whole mm -hmm. big thing together, and then as you're delivering the lesson plan, if you have inspiration or the spirit guides you, you do something that's needed for the class or something like that. But that preparation beforehand, knowing what's even available, then the Holy Spirit can remind you, hey, remember this is available? Oh, yeah, maybe we could try to do that. So what are some of the fruits that you've gained by, by doing that? Um, I mean, so many. <laughs> um, something that I would say would definitely be inspiration. I think that as you are working with students with disabilities, and like you said, that spirit will really help inspire you to know what is going to work best. Because I believe that there will be some situations that you might feel inspired or prompted to help or give a certain technology to a student, and you don't know what the outcome is going to be. We never know what exactly the outcome is going to be, but just trusting that spirit and trusting the process of it. And sometimes maybe there will be technologies that you would never think of. And then, you know, using that inspiration, um, applying it and the outcome is something that you never would have guessed. Sometimes you just don't know. Oh, that is so awesome to hear. What an exciting semester. But the question that I end with, which I think is the most important question, is how, have, how has that inspiration that you learned from moving your learning from your head to your heart, how has that helped your testimony of Jesus Christ? I think that in education, obviously, we pattern our teaching after the master teacher, Jesus Christ. And as we are working to find these technologies and everything that are best suited for our students um our savior does the same thing with us and and he is helping us in the way that is best suited for for our lives and our individuality and i think that his love that he shows for us is something that we are also showing for our students with disabilities oh thank you kennedy i'm so excited for you to be out in the real world helping children and helping their learning mean something to them and using inspiration to help them grow and become better. Okay, well, great. We'll see you next time. Yes. Be sure to join us again on Education of the Heart podcast. Okay, and welcome to another episode of Education of the Heart. I'm here with Angelica. Hi, Angelica. Hi. <laughs> All right. So she just finished her favorite college class, Assistive Technology. Um, do you remember at the beginning of the year we made you go through that nine-page thing? Am I con um, competent in assistive technology? And you picked five that you wanted to work on. So tell me about that experience. How did that go? Yeah, so we went through like the whole list. There was like a lot of things, but it was pretty in-depth. And I ended up studying more about 
uh, communication, independent living skills, hearing, vision, and then like one more that I guess I just can't didn't come to my heart, you know. But <laughs> didn't like make I, it to the heart. Okay. Yeah, but I think I really focused more on communication and how um, how important communication is between your interactions with other people, and it just made me kind of like realize I've been taking for granted that like I know English, you know. And English is the most, like, typical communication. But, like, with other students, they don't have those, that method of, like, even verbalization. So it's been interesting to learn more about how there are other tools that can help them communicate with others and other methods that we can communicate together. So, so when we think about assistive technology, a lot of times we just say, oh, here's a computer that can talk for you. Let's just throw it at you. Mm-hmm. And that, that is the backward way to do it. Yeah, so I think I really liked when we learned about, it's called the SETS framework because there's like two T's. Yeah, SETS. And it goes through, um, it kind of goes through like a student-centered approach. So it goes through like the student, the environment, the task, and then the tools. So I like that instead of like being like, oh, we have this tool available in our library. Let's just give it to the student. It's like, no, we need to figure out the students' like present levels of performances, like where their needs are, where their strengths are, and then go through like, what they, what kind of activities they'll be doing in the in the classroom, and like what kind of tasks they'll be doing, and then specifically, okay, what kind of tools can we use to help them complete those tasks in the certain classroom environment? So it's like interesting because I think I feel like the whole IDA is centered around the person, you know, but even in the sets framework, we find that it's still person centered. Oh, so good. So so tell me. What other things about communication you had? You got to work with a girl named Anna. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about that story. That was kind of a cool story. Yeah. So this semester, I'm also in the strategies class, where we are assigned to a student, and we're able to prevent, we're able to provide intervention, like behaviorally. And one of the things about Anna is, so I work with another classmate as well, uh, my classmate Caitlin, and. The thing about Anna is, like, just for some background, she has um, she has multiple disabilities, but her multiple disabilities correlate with her main diagnosis of hydranencephaly. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, but it's it's complicated. But basically, like, she basically there's parts in her brain that just don't work, as that's as much as I can understand. And other disabilities that correlate with that is that she um, she has seizures, she has cerebral palsy, scoliosis cortical visual and cortical auditory impairment and she has a failure to thrive so she can't eat like through her mouth or like take medicine so even during our sessions we see um, her mother Katrina who's like so awesome she like if she like needs to give her like her seizure medicine she'll just take the tube out and like show Anna like oh here's your medicine and then show it through here because I feel like it was pretty expected that she would have a seizure whenever we went over every time you went I would say pretty much more most of the time but I think that kind of helped me realize that seizures aren't as scary because like when I think of seizures I'm like okay like I know every student is different but every kind of seizure is like different to like approach to but with Anna they were like I felt like they're so brief and sometimes her seizures would kind of reboot her to have her more muscle and like she would sometimes be like a little more engaged and then sometimes not so it kind of depended on the day but yeah, that's Anna background. Oh, I love it. So Anna, you had to de- had to help her learn to communicate with you and yeah. see if she was actually making choices and things like that. Yeah, tell us yeah. about that. So I think um, also 
to mention about Anna is because even though she had multiple disabilities, she was still responsive to her environment. So she recognized when um, I had a, like a slinky toy for her to recognize me and Caitlin had like a bell to have Anna recognize her. So whenever we went, we would always introduce ourselves and like say goodbye that way. But even um, her dad gives her like noisy kisses on the forehead. Her mom like scratches her forehead. And then her brother, her brother Daniel, I feel like he can kind of be disruptive. Like he'll be like in the kitchen or something or like the living room because we're just in the living room. He's like playing on the computer or whatever. But I think even though Anna can sometimes be distracted by her brother, it still shows that she's responsive and aware of her environment. She's not like, like latency, you know, like just sitting there, just waiting to like, just sitting there, you know, like, but she is like responsive. And I'm like, I just love whenever we worked with her, she would like be smiling and laughing. And I remember one time, I don't know what happened that day exactly, but she just started like a full body laugh. And I was like, I wish I knew it was so funny about Anna, but she was like, so it was like so funny because she had like a full body laugh, like even like her legs were moving too. So it's just interesting, like, um, after Katrina told us about how Anna has been more engaged lately because of a social, like especially going to school and stuff, that's why Anna still goes to school, even though she can't meet some of the requirements, I guess, that like a school needs, you know, like to pick up a pencil and write with it and stuff. She still enjoys that social atmosphere. So even there are days when we go over and then Katrina's like, yeah, Anna's just been in her room all day, you know, but then she's like so like, I would say excited. I infer she's like excited and she wants to work with us because she's pretty engaged and she wants to do it. There are some days where she's not as engaged, but there are some days where she is. So it's pretty cool. So one thing that you, you told me about is Katrina showed you a communication matrix, yeah. how communication develops and that Anna was on different, she didn't complete different things, but she had separate skills in mm. different levels. Yeah. So with the communication matrix, like literally just look up communicationmatrix.org. And it's interesting to see how, although she can't communicate via English or like even sign language, she can still understand, like she can express comfort. She can like kind of recognize people just by like auditory or like when they touch her. Because I know when, whenever she has seizures, which is pretty often when we're there, I don't know if it's like the time of day or something, but it's pretty often. <laughs> but um, she will she'll have a seizure and then her mom will kind of like scratch her for her, like to like let her know that like she's there for her. It's like not just Anna like in herself, you know, like uncontrollably. So it's very interesting. The communication matrix, I will definitely use it with my future students. I think that if I have students that with more severe disabilities, just because I want to be able to know like how they can communicate and like where they're at right now and then what it can lead to next, like where I can help them bring to the next level if they're able to. I love that you said that you're going to use it in the future because you're going to become a teacher and yeah. you're going to be working with students and knowing how communication develops might help another term that you learned this semester about a communication partner. Yeah. So training someone to be effective to help bring out communication from maybe a nonverbal student. Yeah. So yeah, tell us about a communication partner. Yeah. Yeah. So another thing I learned about this semester was communication partners. It was interesting because it's not just for, I guess, in the students environment, like it's not just students in the classroom. It can also be with people that have, I think it's like aphasia or something, like people that um, they just start like losing their memory. So they lose how to verbally communicate with others. So I saw a video of this uh, volunteer with an 
older woman, she was communicating like, do you like this or not like this? Like kind of like showing like where the picture would kind of go. And it was interesting, the woman was still like pointing and communicating, but she was still expressing on her own and controlling her part of the conversation um, with the communication partner. And even, I just really like that. Um, Cause it was like a, look, a thing I looked at and it was like, how to be a good communication partner, like being patient, letting the person control their own conversation and just um, acknowledging their efforts and just encouraging them to be good. And I think being a communication partner would be really helpful in general, even just learning how to be a good communication partner, I think would be really helpful if um, eventually if I have a classroom and I want like other peers as well that are at my students' age, because like you know, like why would you want to listen to a teacher? You know, right. you're more likely to listen, listen to, to the cool kids, the cool right. kids, you know, yeah. that come in. So we have another class. Um, severe students with severe disabilities. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. So for that class, we made like a peer tutor handbook, and I was thinking, I was like, we should add another component, like how to be a good communication partner, Very because you might, if you're in that classroom and you have that handbook, you're probably in the severe class already. So you want to be able to have your have your peers that come in be able to communicate with other with your uh, children as well because um, in high school I was involved in the Friends Helping Friends Club. I was actually so I started in the adaptive PE class and what I was I was like a peer that would help my classmates with more severe disabilities and sometimes I ran into situations where like I didn't know what to say to them like I would just like wave or say hi. But they had like the communication like pads and like apps and stuff. And like I wish I could have known how to use them to communicate with them and not just the paraeducators and the teacher communicating right. with them. Oh. So it was kind of like I feel like I had a missed opportunity to communicate with my peers that time. But I think going forward I can take the knowledge I have now and bring it into my own classroom one day. Oh, that is so cool. I'm so excited. So yeah. I don't know if you remember one time maybe I didn't talk to you about we can become communication partners with Heavenly Father through yeah. prayer. That that was kind of cool because I just remember Oliver Cowdery trying to translate. Mm -hmm. And he said, you have to ask if it's right. And then if you have a feeling that it's right, that's the yes. yes. And if you have a stupor of thought, that's the no. And so you mm -hmm. can actually see how the Spirit talks to you by being a better communication partner with Heavenly Father. So I just thought that was kind of a cool concept. Okay, yeah. so in this class, we're trying to move the learning from your head to where it's all cluttered to your heart, to where it yeah. matters, right? Mm -hmm. So you have a question, you did the search. So what are some of the fruits that you have discovered in moving your learning to your heart? Yeah, I think overall, I think being in the special education program, it's made me have more gratitude. I feel like I used to have, like, I would feel, like, so sorry for people that have disabilities, you know? Like, I would just, like, feel sorry for them. But I think it also reminds me that because I have more, more within my abilities, I guess, I can use them to serve other people and use what I can within my ability to help them because um, I'm also involved with ISERV, the volunteer program on campus where we do like special needs. So there's always like institute, crafts and life skills every week. And I love it so much. And like everyone, it's like a small family. I really enjoy my involvement with it, but it's helped me re recognize that because we're all children of, of our heavenly father, that we're all able to um, kind of uplift each other because I know that 
because I have more within my capability, if that makes sense, that I can help other people. And I'm really grateful that I chose this major and this path to my yeah, best career. major on campus. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> it so. really is. Okay, so you kind of almost answered this already yeah. by by the fruit of gratitude and knowing because you moved your learning to your heart. But how has that specifically helped your testimony of Jesus Christ? Yeah, so I think I've seen myself grow since. So I've had Brother Christopherson as a teacher since last fall, and I feel like I've grown a lot both like educationally but also spiritually. I feel like I. I ask the Lord more to have the Spirit help me understand concepts because the assessments class we have to take, sheesh, like I, (laughs) like I definitely prayed a lot in that class, like even just even during my studies, not like just right before the test, but I think just recognizing that I'll always have the Spirit with me to help me um, in my future adversaries and my future endeavors, that it helps me recognize that I'm not alone in this major and I have such great classmates and teachers that help me recognize that we're all becoming better people because we're involved with this major. And it's all towards helping our future students and becoming more, um, becoming more like just reaching their full potential. Right. And Heavenly Father wants us to reach our full potential through the Savior and through the atonement. Yes. And so, yeah, that testimony grows. Every time you see a child with disabilities, it should increase yeah. your testimony of the Savior and our plan of salvation mm-hmm. and all of those things. Oh, thank you so much, Angelica. What a great episode. We will see you next time on yes. Education of the Heart. Mm-hmm.